Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! Finds one. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Welcome back to the Believe in Syracuse podcast. Once again, Michael Gross alongside Mike McAllister and the one and only Josh Crawford, Memphis 10. Welcome back, guys. Syracuse now 3-0. and what are the emotions that you guys are feeling right now? Because for me, it's it starts with elation and ends with a hunger to be five and zero because that's what's on the on the horizon for this team. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's um, national championship or bust now, right? Bring on Bama, um, not to overstate things in any way, shape, or form. Listen, that was a classic carrier dome uh, carrier dome JMA wireless dome game. That is a game that people are going to remember that they were at or watched for years. I think back to the Virginia Tech game with Donovan McNabb in the dome and the pass that he made to uh, the tight end, Stephen Berminski, who made the catch in the corner of the end zone to beat Vatek on the last play of the game. Now you have a corner route by a tight end, Oronde Gadsden, and this one to beat Purdue. Um, so many classic moments in the dome. This is certainly going to be one of them. The, you know, it's, it's funny, as the game was playing out, I was thinking back to our preview pod and how everyone was all expecting high scoring tons of points. And then I kind of said flippantly, look, we're going to end up with a 13, 10 game or something. <laughs> and then going into the fourth quarter, it's 10, nine. And Mike, you're at the game and you're texting me, like you're getting the game that you said, watch, we'll get exactly. this now. And then it turned into what we all expected with the crazy fourth oh, quarter. Man. It was a bonkers game. If you had no horse in the race, it was fun to watch. And if you're a Syracuse fan, you're just happy that you somehow survived that game of win. Josh, 42 points in total scored in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, just almost hit the over in that quarter alone. Nah, facts. I, I, I tweeted some out for uh, for New House Sports running their, their account talking about like how the, the people that bet the over, which a lot of them did, were very probably upset. And I know they, you know, they probably needed some little some 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 hard minutes, you know, at the, at the end of the fourth quarter. That definitely was a that was a thing for sure. 
<laughs> I, mean, I mean, for me, it was a thing that a game like that is much more aligned with, I feel like, what we thought we were going to see about the Syracuse team going in, at least in my, you know, knowledge coming in and learning the program. You know, Garrett Schrader looked a lot like, you know, 2021 Garrett Schrader that, you know, everybody wanted to avoid. Um, you know, Purdue did the thing that, you know, teams of Purdue's caliber and better, you know, you know NC State, Florida State potentially going forward are going to do. We're going to put seven men in a box. We're going to press up all of your receivers because we don't think any of them can create any separation, and it doesn't seem to be untrue. And we're going to see if Garrett Schrader can fit in the tight windows and Shanta can really live with all this hype. So, no, and it seems like it's over two on both of them, but yet it's some. It seems we somehow found a way to win. Aronde Gesson is probably really shooting up NFL draft boards again. He's a guy that you know looks the bill, um, got the uh, the genes for what the dad, the veteran in the field, and you know something that I saw in camp that he showed off that you know was impressive was some of the stuff that he can do after the catch. Mm. So you're looking at a guy like that, six five, can move like a legitimate receiver. And he had the pedigree of somebody that's done it in his family before. Now you're talking like they round two, round three. Let me see what you run the combine type of deal. So, you know, a lot of, like I said, Courtney Jackson, Damon Hour, you know, those are the guys who kind of expected to step up. But uh, OG has stepped up in a big way, not only, you know, in the program, but, you know, if he keeps putting together performances like that, he'll be a national name for sure. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today. And make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe Fifty B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Two things we talked about last week with DJ Fesler uh, of the Purdue site it was one: Will Aiden O'Connell throw for four hundred passing yards? He did. Uh, so it was 424 passing yards on 39 completions. And two, I said to you guys over or under a hundred and what 60 or a hundred and I think it was 160 pa- uh, receiving yards for Charlie Jones. How about 188 for Charlie? Bonkers. Bonkers. That's, yeah. that's that type of ain't no kind of like, just like I said, just coming off the field, I just saw the frustration on the guys up front rushing for the issue because it's like, you know, it, it took a lot for you to really game plan to really get him pressured. Tony White really had to get in his bag and, you know, really pull up some defensive, you know, slants and pressures to put pressure on a guy like uh, Aiden O'Connell because getting the way that he's getting the ball out so quickly is just so frustrating. You're talking about, I think I saw one stat about a Cooper Rush, like one of the fastest releases uh, yesterday, 2.5 seconds. You know, I started to, you know, you have an internal clock as a QB and even as a D lineman, you know, three seconds, you know, you probably should be there. And even just counting the three, like Aiden O'Connell wasn't getting to three. The only time I remember getting, getting the three was on the pick six. Like mm-hmm. he's getting the ball out really quickly and he's really putting it down on money. And it was, I, I just know how frustrating that is. So for them, for Caleb to get that pick, I didn't know that was really like a, a big relief for them. Yeah, he's, I mean, listen, Aiden O'Connell is the real deal. Um, and 
you know, I, th- there's, there's a couple people I talk to before games and say, you know, what do you think about this matchup? And, you know, I, I got told beforehand, I said, listen, Purdue's going to do some things that are going to cause Syracuse some problems defensively. And if they can't consistently get to O'Connell quickly with their three man rush, he's going to have opportunities to beat them. And he did that, but you know, Syracuse defense held, uh, hung on. They, they kept them somehow to only nine points in the first half, which it felt like Purdue should have been in the twenties in the first half with how well they moved the ball up and down the field. So, um, you know, they did enough. They got the one turnover that ended up being the difference in the game. And, um, you know, long and short of it is you're not going to see a lot of passing attacks like that, even though Syracuse is going to play against some good quarterbacks and some good wide receivers the rest of the season. Nothing like that. I mean, that was very professional, very NFL-esque in terms of the scheme and the routes and, and how they schemed guys open. And, um, you know, it's, it, was, it was fun to watch from a pure entertainment standpoint and how they kind of played chess back and forth. But um, Syracuse was able to make enough plays to get the win. And I know Purdue's going to be uh, kicking themselves for that one for the rest of the season. Yeah, which, which kind of brings me to my next point here. I said to you guys before we started this, that I had a somewhat controversial opinion on this game. Uh, I don't believe that Syracuse deserved to win this game. Um, I think that Purdue should have, could have, and should have put it away a number of times. Granted, right, Garrett Schrader was four of nine in the first half for 35 yards, ended up having 13 completions. He, he made his strides in the second half to, I guess, somewhat of the new Garrett Schrader that we've seen, but the the utter dominance on offense, Aiden O'Connell picking out uh, whether it was, you know, whether it was Payne Durham, Charlie Jones, right. Devin Mockaby running. I mean, he didn't really have, or or Dylan Downing, neither of those guys really had insane amount of yardage, but it was more about the timeliness of when they were picking up those yards, when they were getting to the line to gain uh, and getting those first downs. They were just such so much more of a complete team. Now, I'm not saying Syracuse isn't, but I'm saying on Saturday, on that day, I believe Purdue was not only the better team, but they should have won the game. Purdue, Purdue, well, Purdue booted away. They booted it. Purdue away. in the first half was significantly better than Syracuse. Yeah. I think in the second half, the teams were pretty even. Um, they got to the point where both offenses were getting in rhythm. Syracuse left multiple plays out there that they should have scored on. I'm thinking of the toss play to Sean Tucker, where he had a ton of green in front of him and he dropped the ball on the toss. That's a play he's going to make 999,000 times out of a million. And he, that's the one time where he drops the ball, ends up with a loss instead of a huge gain. I'm thinking of the wheel route where Tucker was open and Schrader underthrows him. That should have been a touchdown. Uh, so they left points out there. I feel like Purdue left more out there, more opportunities. Their first drive when they went down there and went for that fourth down play, seemingly rushed it. I didn't think that was a great decision when you're on the road and the way that your defense played and your offense played, I would take the points and I keep, you know, taking points and taking points. But, um, you know, there's some questionable decisions on Purdue's side. The one thing I'll say to counter your points that Purdue lost this game and Purdue definitely imploded um, late in the fourth quarter, especially after they scored to go up with 51 seconds to go picking up two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties at that juncture to give Syracuse the ball at midfield is terrible. It's stupid. It lacks discipline. That said, the other team still has to take advantage of that opportunity. And Syracuse did. So Syracuse deserves some credit. 
obviously there's some luck from the Syracuse perspective involved in that, in that you can't expect a team to commit those two penalties at the end of the game to give you that chance. Um, and I, I honestly did not expect once, um, once Payne Durham scored that touchdown, that Syracuse is going to be able to go the full length of the field in 50 seconds, even with three timeouts. But once they got to midfield, I thought they had a, a, a realistic chance. So yeah, I, I think saying that Purdue lost it more than Syracuse won it, I think is not an unreasonable opinion, even if I don't completely agree with it. But, you know, Syracuse has to take advantage of those opportunities. And the one thing I'll say for, for Syracuse before I let Josh chime in is a good team finds ways to win when you don't play your best and you're given an opportunity to take the game. And that's exactly what they did in this situation. They did not play nearly to their best capabilities part of that because of Purdue part of that because of lack of execution on their own side and they figured out a way to win the game when Purdue imploded showed a lack of discipline a lack of mental toughness when they made those errors at the end of the game and and took advantage of that I think last year the year before three years ago Syracuse doesn't win a game like this no I mean you know my my father Papa Crawford he has a he has a wonderful phrase about the word deserve you know, it's basically, you know, relating to a man and getting up and doing work, yada, yada, yada. You never get what you deserve. You get what you go out and earn. And then you, once you work enough, you go out and earn something, you get what your market value dictates you should receive. So, you know, yes, did Purdue not come up in the red zone properly? Yes. So you, you, got, two, you got two red zone trips, you don't come up with a touchdowns. That's a, that's a thing that you can talk about deserve all day. But you got to look at, a, you know, macro, bigger cause. I would say that, you know, the complete lack of a run game is where, you know, in the red zone, it was where something like that hurts you the most. So it wasn't shocking to me to see Purdue, you know, come up short in the red zone multiple times because he's like, again, you have, you don't have a, you know, a legitimate running threat that you can really hand the ball off to the Bulldogs, get those last few yards, whatever. So, and again, you know, we could talk about the flukiness of, you know, like you said, you know, Purdue's defensive penalties, you know, the last second touchdown, like, yes, on the surface level, that is a very fluky play. But again, taking a step back, as we all have the ability to within this program, you know, we, we know about the, the veteran leadership. We know what Garrett Shader has been through. We know what, you know, Ronnie Gaston has been through, uh, transitioning from receiver to tight end. So, I mean, are we really surprised that those two guys were in the position to make right, the, a right play you just at, at the right time? You know, just looking at it like that. So not, never about deserves, it's about what you go out and get that earned. And I think that, you know, I would, it would be disrespectful to the SU guys, you know, some of the relationships that I formed to say that they didn't earn that victory because, you know, I would definitely say above all things, and <laughs> I'm not the biggest Gary Schrader friend, but he definitely went out and earned that victory, you know, at the end. Putting laying it all on the line and taking a big hit at the end, you know. <laughs> like I said, as a player, you know, I know he was happy about that victory, but he definitely felt that hit in the morning. And let me say this, too. Um, I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter and message boards from Purdue fans about – the officials stole this game from them. Um, no, they didn't. Number one. Number two, the calls that were made late in the game, the pass interference and, you know, those types of things on the final drive were legitimate calls. Uh, I understand you didn't like them, but they were good calls. And trust me, I am a very vocal critic of officiating. I can't stand how um, there's no accountability when officials have terrible performances. That said, this is not one of those situations. And the situation at the after Purdue's extra point, Payne Durham needs to get off the field and not be following Garrett Williams around with his helmet bumped up against his and chirping at him the whole time. Go to 
sideline and go to the next play. So you earn that 15 yards by not doing that. That's a lack of discipline. Garrett Williams is walking away. You're walking, you're following him and still chirping at him. And it wasn't until he said something the fourth or fifth time that the official threw the flag. You had plenty of opportunity to go away. I don't know what it was that Jeff Brom said on the sideline to earn his unsportsmanlike conduct penalty to give Syracuse 15 more yards on that kickoff. But I do know that officials very, very, very rarely throw a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct on the head coach. And the head coaches scream at the officials all day, every day, all every single game, a lot, say some very um, inappropriate things to them. So I don't know what he said, but it seems more likely than not it was because he said something or bumped into something, maybe bumped into an official, that'll get you a flag. I don't know what the situation was. But afterwards, I was curious. I watched Brahm's press conference, and he did not say something like, that was a terrible the call. Of, yeah. they, took, they took that away from us. I should not, you know, I should not have been given a 15-yard flag, and et cetera. That was bad, and this is what actually happened. He didn't do any of that. So that leads me to believe that there was validity behind it. But um, either way, Syracuse is 3-0, earned or not, doesn't matter, because you are what your record says you are. Well, Coach Babers, after the game in the postgame presser, he actually talked about um, how last year he probably would have been called for stuff like that for things that he said uh, because of just the sheer nature of the frustration and also the fact that, you know, there are certain things that are, are ticks for certain referees to have them, you know, go over the edge. Some referees have a thicker skin. Some referees do not. I don't know the experience, uh, uh, you know, to any extent of these referees, of these officials, not that they weren't doing their job correctly. They absolutely were. Um, and I, I personally thought they did an okay job in this game, like a more than okay job. Um, I didn't really hem and haul over too many different plays that they, that they call that were penalties. But at the same time, Coach Babers was like, uh, it could be the slightest thing that could tick off somebody and it could be, you know, flag here, flag there. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. He was literally called for that against a Big Ten team in the Dome last year against Rutgers. Um, And we actually broke that down and why in that instance, it didn't seem to make sense because Shiano called a timeout. This was against Rutgers last year. Greg Shiano called a timeout. Right after he calls timeout, he runs over to the official and screams at them and says, no, I didn't call a timeout. They show the replay. They literally show him making the T-motion right next to the official. The official blows the whistle and says timeout and Greg Schiano says, I didn't call a timeout and then starts screaming at the officials like, you know, veins bulging and veins pulsating and eyes popping out of his head and face turning red, screaming at the officials. And then he screams at them multiple times and says, make it right, make it right. And then the next play, there was a call against Syracuse, a penalty against Syracuse. And Dino looked at the referee and said something and they threw a flag on him for unsportsmanlike conduct. So that happened to Syracuse last year. Now this year, 
it happens for Syracuse, but also both times it was Big Ten officials. And the Big Ten officials aren't coming into an ACC school and saying, how can we screw our own conferences team? Exactly. They're not doing that. Exactly. So it is what it is. Josh, let's break down kind of what you saw from the defense. I know Coach Babers talked about Garrett Williams and the corners here at Syracuse and how it's a lonely island. If you come play corner at Syracuse, it is a lonely island. There's nobody there to help you. Um, and from a defensive standpoint, this is probably going to be one of the, if not one of, if not the biggest task, the toughest task that they face all year with a, a potential top five caliber quarterback in the country and a definitely a top five wide receiver in the country, not to mention a tight end that had nine catches for 83 yards and two scores. So, I mean, in terms of defensively, how much more could they have done to, I don't know, put, put a bigger hold on the Purdue offense? I mean, you know, I will, you know, pump the brakes on top five categorization for Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones. I think that they are great players. Um, I think top five, at least in college football, are probably reserved for guys that we're, we're pretty sure are going to be good in the NFL, too. And I don't think that's the case for, you know, either one of them. You know, not to say they're great college players. You know, there's guys that went to high when they never played, you know, NFL games. But, you know, I don't think that they're at that level to, you know, truly dominant. They were dominant against Cuse, for sure. But I don't, you know, I don't know if they're, you know, perennial, perennial dominant guys. But, like, sure. you know, we talked about, we talked about, you know, this thing, this game being a thing of strength on strength. And if you just look at the receiving stats and the passing stats, Purdue's strength won out. You know, Charlie Jones, 10 for one of the day. You know, this is the first time that we've seen Garrett Williams, Garrett Williams really be exposed by somebody. You know, some of the struggles that, you know, we don't really get, don't, we don't really see because he's not facing the guy that's, you know, up to his level week in, week out, you know, either with this Syracuse team or, you know, in the ACC. So, like, you know, Charlie Jones is a guy that's going to get up and get out of there pretty quickly. You know, Gary, he's, he's a long ranger guy, pretty physical, but he's not the first guy on the Q's team that you're going to win in the foot race. And Charlie Jones kind of exposed that a couple of times. So if you were to look at both of them in, in pregame warmers, you wouldn't think that, you know, I don't, I don't, I think Charlie Jones would have a harder time getting open than he did, but it's a, a thing to where, you know, it could be potentially dangerous to see, like, you know, we just seen the Dolphins throw for a thousand yards with the two fast guys in the league. You know, can a fast guy, you know, potentially take the top off of this Syracuse defense? Or, you know, I hate speculation, but is somebody like Deuce Chestnut a little faster, quicker, smaller guy, more suited to, you know, guard a, you know, smaller slot receiver? So, you know, because one of the uh, reporters in the postgame talked, asked about the, the, uh, the secondary struggling, and Coach Babers <laughs> just simply denied it, which I found ridiculous because, like, you know, we have stats, bro. Yeah. We have stats. We can see the game. Like, we saw what happened in the last – I mean, they could have – whatever. whatever. We, we, we watched the game, sir. But, um, you know, like, we saw – that this was, at least it's not a thing to where we didn't think this was the strength of Purdue's and it just came out of nowhere. This is the acknowledged strength. And, you know, G-Dub and, you know, Deuce might have to go back to the drawing board and see what they can really do to not be exposed by fast guys the rest of the year. And here's here's the thing with Garrett is the, the positive of – of the performance was he wasn't getting torched like he's five yards behind the guy 
when he gave up the big plays, you know, he was a step or so behind him, but he wasn't giving up these, you know, monster, huge open windows that I could go out there and throw them into. Right. So, um, and, and O'Connell to his credit, he put them in spots where he needed to, if he's thrown, if a couple of those are slightly underthrown, they're not completed. So in most games, you're not going to get someone that can be that consistently precise with throws down the field at the college level. Um, but that's certainly something I think that Garrett is going to take to heart. And if I know anything about him and how competitive he is and the work that he puts in, he's not going to be satisfied with that. He's going to disagree with coach Babers about whether or not he struggled and say, yeah, that's not an acceptable performance for me. And he's going to come back and be better the rest of the season. But there's no question that that's going to be something other teams look at. And Syracuse is going to have to be prepared for anyone that's got a guy with some speed to them. They're going to try to use that to their advantage and, and, and get some big plays down the field. So Syracuse is certainly going to have to adjust to that. Now, the difference is I think Purdue's offensive line is probably better pass protection protection wise than a lot of people give them credit for. And that helps. Um, and, O'Connell is is so good with getting rid of that ball just in an instant you're not going to face a lot of guys there aren't a lot of guys like that on Syracuse's schedule so there's some things you're not going to see a ton of that the rest of the season but it's certainly every time that a weakness gets put on tape teams are going to try to expose it so Syracuse is certainly going to have to adjust going forward nah just looking at the at least the regular season you know people are you know draft Knicks and whatever big fans of Devin Leary um, I haven't seen him, you know. <laughs> I know I <laughs> touchdown. Sorry. We're, no, you're we're, good. we're recording this in the middle of the Eagles game. The Eagles just scored, so I'm I'm, no, I'm still, we definitely gotta pull up on the dual screen myself. But no, you know, like looking at the regular season, Jordan Travis got her for FSU. You know, uh Aiden O'Connell's probably gonna be the best guy you face short of a New York Six Bowl. So, you know, while it was probably concerning. But yeah, like like you said, Mike, that's that's not gonna be a thing to where you're gonna phase guys that's getting out that fast and put it on the money that much every time. So yeah, I, you know, no need to overreact. Well, I mean, there is a, a guy named DJ that they do have to play. I, I, are we gonna do that right he's now? Not Aiden uh, he's not Aiden O'Connell. No, no, I know. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. He's athletic. He is certainly gonna put some pressure on Syracuse a little bit in terms of you know, his, his ability to kind of shrug guys off when they get to him. And he's, he's stronger than Aiden O'Connell is. And um, he, he can be a little bit more mobile, but um, he doesn't have Syracuse you saw him last. They saw him last year in the dome and he, they Clemson struggled to put up 17 points against Syracuse's defense last year. He is not going to light up the Syracuse secondary. I say that and now he will, and I'll look really dumb, but I feel pretty confident as we sit right now that that won't be the case. And I mean, I, and I wrote about talked about this too. You know, with them playing Georgia Tech in the first game, you know, you know, trench guy. You know, some of the D linemen for Clemson showed out, but they struggled against the Georgia Tech team that I don't think has an NFL prospect on their yeah, defense. Not good. Not so it's like that's not something that you know. You look at that the defense for SU. You know, Jeff Sims was a great quarterback. I don't, you know, he's a, he, he's a talented guy. I don't know. I don't want to compare him to Gary Shredder right now because such is a big A gap. But he did some good things for Georgia Tech offense. But with the way Garrett Schrader performed, and even just this victory in general, it tells me that Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker can both have bad days and they can still win, which is something I wouldn't have not been able to expect to have been able to say. Well, I said bring on Bama. Well, yeah, I mean, on the, offensive, on the offensive side of thing, I think you also have to give a, a decent amount of credit to the offensive line. They, they, they kind of put in the work on Saturday. Only three quarterback hurries. Granted, Garrett Schrader took a lot himself in the first half on the ground. But he 
got a little wiser at halftime. I asked, I did ask a question about what was said at halftime that they just deflected the entire, like all three of them, I think deflected it. And so, um, because I really wanted to know who it was that was the vocal leader that flipped the switch. And they were like, there was no switch to be flipped. We just found our groove. And I'm hey, like, man, okay. you can't be telling you, bro. It's, yeah. like, like, it's, it's sure. still alive, brother. Tell you that. It's still alive, brother. I know. I know. Sure. We, we I all know. want to know. Believe I, me, well, we would have loved to have known. Always ask the question because you never know if you, if you get the answer or not. True. Um, Absolutely. So, but in terms of the offensive line, only three quarterback hurries. Uh, what is it? Three tackles for a loss, one sack given up. I, I thought they protected they protected him well. They gave him a sufficient amount of time. He just made the wrong – Garrett Schrader just made the wrong decisions in the first half. Uh, and obviously we saw Sean Tucker was hashtag not pleased with his performance. Uh, but he was pleased with the win, at least. Um, I in, mean, one thing about Schrader – oh, my bad. No, 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 Josh, I was just going to say – I was going to ask you, like in terms of, of offensively, Garrett Schrader did come alive in that second half. But was the first half struggle was more of an internal Garrett Schrader thing, or was it maybe the people around him? I mean, <clears throat> Ronda Gaston is rapidly starting to look like a number one receiver on this roster. It'll be interesting to see how they start to feature him like that on a daily, uh, on a weekly basis. But you know, his receiver room, you know, as much as I like some of the guys on the team, they're not doing him any favors. So you know, it's a thing to where. You know, like I said, that 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 version of first half Garrett was something that I thought would be more commonplace than it has been thus far in the season. So, you know, it's a thing to where at this point, three games in the season, a quarter way through the season, are we looking at Garrett Strader to be the Garrett Strader of the first two games or is 2021 Garrett Strader going to be a bigger issue? So, you know, I'm not, you know, even even seeing Kale last night at or a couple of days ago after the victory, he came up to me like, are you, are you a Schrader guy now? Cause I think it's pretty well known some of my skepticism and I came, came up with a real, a real sounding wince. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not quarterback is a hard position to play. And if you've shown to be somebody that can't process it that fast and can't do it that well, I don't tend to turn around on guys that quickly. And I say that, and he's like literally the most accurate guy the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, Get more Winston, more Winston. Here's, here's, here's what I'll say on Garrett Schrader. Um, the skepticism because of how we performed last year is 100% warranted. I'm almost throwing last year out just because he's got completely new coaching. Because I think last year he had incompetent coaching. And I think this year he has extremely competent coaching. And I think that helps in terms of how consistent he can be. He made a comment in the post game that said he wasn't ready to play in the first half. And he had some personal stuff going on this week and that, that affected him. So I don't know what that was, but if that was really the case and he was able to put that aside in at halftime and he came out and played as well as he did in the second half, which looked much more like we had seen the first two weeks. Um, then I think I'm almost like, uh, I'll look at the first half as more of an anomaly. They're more of as the exception than the rule I'll say, but He's got to go out and do and do again what he did in the second half against Purdue, what he did in the first two games this season. If he goes out and has another really strong, efficient, accurate game against Virginia, then I think we all look at that first half against Purdue as a blip, as um, you know, a small setback, as as I said, the exception as opposed to the rule. But if he comes out and plays kind of inconsistent and has accuracy issues again against Virginia then I think the 
Josh Crawford wincing comes back amongst the Syracuse fan base. The last thing I'll say, uh, just to wrap it up, what I, I was trying to search for in my, my comments last, my last take, we need to see Garrett Schrader perform well under the circumstances that Purdue gave him. Loading the box, tight man coverage, you're going to fit your, your ball into your window. You're going to fit the ball into your window to your guy quickly and on target or it's not going to go there. So that would Purdue was the first team that we've seen, you know, at a P5 Big Ten level with those quality guys to do it, and he struggled. You know, we can give him the, the grace of his previous performances these first two games and, you know, personal reasons and, you know, first time outside against a true opponent. But, you know, if this is a thing to where FSU, NC State, Notre Dame, they deploy the same game plan and he continues to struggle, it'll, it would definitely be a thing. <laughs> My Winston will come back, and I think it'll definitely be certified that he had a good start, but when it comes down to crunch time, I don't think he can really handle it. And Virginia has its defensive coach who's going to see that on film, and they're going to test it again. So it's, it's going to be right back to he's got to prove once again that he has taken strides compared to last year. That's going to be right up again this week. Yeah, and it's about the confidence, right, Josh? It's, it's you go out in the first two weeks and you're a world beater. Like Syracuse, you beat Louisville in week one, then you, you, take, out, uh, you take out UConn. Granted, it's UConn, like we keep saying, but, uh, but you, know, you feel like world beaters. And then you face, uh, even with your own competent coaching, you're facing competent coaching, we thought, I guess, before those penalties, on the other side, and you're facing a competent quarterback and, and competent receiving core, and it's, it's a lot different. Big Ten football is different. You know, I mean, you, you make me sleepy though sometimes, <laughs> but, but, but I know it's not SEC, Josh, but, but, <laughs> At least you know. but, but, but big 10 football is different. Like it, it goes, it goes SEC, big 10. And then in my opinion, everybody else, like that's, that's the way that it, it, it kind of is. And so to go up against big the big Ten team and still, and still, oh, I'm not discrediting the other ones because they're still great conferences. I'm just saying that that's kind of like the hierarchy. And so, and so for, for Schrader, for him to be able to battle in that game and to be, for him to be able to, like we said before, he still earned it. You know, it's, it's not, you get, it's not, you get what you deserve. It's you get what you earn, right? Papa Crawford's a smart man. Tell you what, Papa Crawford is a smart, he is. but, but Schrader and the Syracuse offense, Syracuse defense, uh, and even the coaches staff, they got what they earned and they earned a victory against Purdue. I, I still stand by the fact that I think Purdue fumbled the game, but you know, Syracuse had to capitalize on it and they did. Um, it was a duality. It can, both things can be true. Absolutely. A good team has to take advantage of an opportunity like that. When the other team takes control of the game and then tries to hand it back to you, you have to take it. And a good team does that. Syracuse in the last couple of years would not have been able to do that. This year's Syracuse team did. And I think that starts with the leadership from the top down of, of the, the players inside the locker room. And there is Garrett Schrader is always going to have his flaws, right? But that team believes in him. And they believe that he can lead them to enough wins to get where they want to go. And even though he struggled in the first half, the belief that he was going to turn around in that game never waned. And you could see that in the body language of the team. They believed they were going to win. They believed they were going to make enough plays. And that, I think, tells you um, how together this team is, which uh, speaks well to how they can uh, get things going here for the rest of the year. 
Um, I guess a couple of housekeeping things. They do play Virginia next week. Briefly, what needs to change? You know, simple. What needs to change from last week that on Friday could pose problems for them? Sean Tucker needs to have 100 yards to to change to keep legitimacy to his Heisman campaign to make sure he's still the number one guy in this Q's offense and to make our job easier because you know he talks like two to three seconds longer when he gets his his pleas for his performance. So you know, so yeah, <laughs> that us. needs to happen. It's all about of course. us. Yeah. Of course. Now I'm on the dark side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my simple thing for what has to change is they can't let Brennan Armstrong look like 2021 Brennan Armstrong. I think the quarterbacks, Syracuse needs both quarterbacks to look like the 2022. 2022 versions of themselves if Garrett Schrader looks like 2021 Garrett Schrader and Brennan Armstrong looks like 2021 Brennan Armstrong Syracuse is going to have a tough time winning that game but in 2022 Garrett Schrader has been a much better quarterback we we've mentioned this before when we we're talking about Anai and and Beck and what impact they have had on Garrett Schrader and their impact in leaving Brennan Armstrong. He goes from 65% completion to 52. He goes from a 31 to 10 touchdown interception ratio to two to three. And so, I mean, he has been much less efficient, much less productive since Anai and Beck have left. Syracuse needs to continue that trend because if he has one of those games where he lights it up, like he did last season, that's where this game could get a little iffy for Syracuse. But I think top to bottom, they have a better roster. So they have to try to make sure that those quarterbacks are playing like the 2022 versions of themselves. And then Syracuse should be in good shape. Oh yeah. Hopefully they are in good shape. Cause I, I preferably like to see them go four and O because we can chalk the Wagner game up as a win already. So that means they'd be five and O. And that means that the following week after a bye week, right? Right. It's a bye week. And then the week Correct. after, Maybe they were, they should be ranked. It should be a ranked match of going to NC State game, which I right now. Cover with our wonderful publication that we talk about. That's right. Exactly. So, nah, it's it's the, it's the, um, you know, again, like you say, you you putting the Wagner for a W is dangerous. I know that it's likely, but it's still dangerous nonetheless. But I think this might be the true trap game. You, there's some animosity there with, you know, Beck and I, and like you said, you know. 12 months ago, this wouldn't have been a game that Virginia could have potentially been favored in. So, you know, I hope these guys take the game as serious as they've been taking every three games. And, you know, like that mindset of the UConn game that, you know, we may be the more talented team, but we need to handle business. All right. I guess it's time for uh, question of the day. All right. So uh, Let's get it. A, a friend of mine uh, asked me this. It was it, it, it baffled me, but I, I eventually came to an answer. The question stands as if you were 1v1 in some sort of boxed in, enclosed environment, what is the largest animal that you think you could beat in a fight? And, and, and why? I, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. A friend of mine asked me, and I actually had to think this through. I went through a lot of things. We're not talking about, you know, uh, like a, a small poisonous animal, right? Just the largest animal, bare knuckles. That's all you got. What is the largest animal that you think you could be? A gnat. First of all, wow. <laughs> a, gnat. a gnat. This is the type of question that you, especially in the, in the, the state, you know, legality purposes in, in New York, this is a type of question you only come up under certain pretenses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that. But um, the, you said the largest animal, like, okay. 
Like, but that's so like like dogs or like you can have, talk about you can have a poodle like a German Shepherd. So I can't say a dog. So like uh, you have know. to go breed specific and that. Oh yeah, you'd have to go. That's breed. what I'm saying. Uh, I don't if, know. If you, wanted, if you wanted some some places to go, to, uh, somebody said because I was just talking with a bunch of my friends. Somebody said a sheep. Somebody okay. said I guess I could, it's I could a, it's a pretty a big animal, right? Somebody said I could take a sheep for sure. Somebody Not said a goat though. Those things are mean, man. Somebody said stay away from the goat. Somebody said a camel. I don't know how you could. Take I know, you're not fitting no one v one. Camels are big. They had one come to my school. Camels are kind of big. A big old pot belly pig, because that thing's not going to hurt you. Yeah, but, like, yeah, but a warthog might. You know, one of those. A like, warthog might. The, but I didn't say warthog. No, I think I might cap out a camel. I think I think I'll go beyond ostrich, but but I, I'll 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 cop out a camel at camel because camels got like three humps and I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do too well with things with multiple things going on like that. You know, I, I try to be. Do a, I get? Do I get a weapon in this thing? Because if I get a weapon, then it changes the game. Yeah, but man, if it's I, just my, it's just my bare, just my bare fists. For your life, I'm sticking with Nat. Nat's tough. I'm like we got you, you got you. Chihuahua. You don't think you can take a Chihuahua when we win? Like I think, I think you got it. Like I don't have it in me, man. I look at that thing and go, I can't, I can't. I mean, my, my. Um, on my mom's side, my family's maiden name is Coop. I couldn't beat up a raccoon. I feel like I'm beating up family. Can't wow. do that. I can't. I just can't. I, I can't hurt an animal, man. I mean, give me a no, fly no, or no, a little bug or something I could. But Neither can I. I don't think Josh can either. But I know, was in, in that in that sense, right, that's where the question, that's where you have to say, all right, fight to the death. Winner wins, the loser. Well, you know, so um, – if you're listening, if you're listening to this, uh, as we're we're saying it, please go comment which one. Just just do the name of the animal. I think it'd be kind of funny. Just reply the name of the animal because then people that didn't listen will be confused exactly. and it'll be fantastic. Exactly. This is a sports podcast. Yeah. Stick to sports. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, no. This is where the hard hitting uh, news questions come in. Um, anyways, all right. We will be back. On, I believe, Thursday, we're going to try and record Wednesday night. Uh, we got a really fun guest on um, for Virginia Sports. We will uh, we will be recording Wednesday night. It'll be out on Thursday, and you guys will listen to our preview for the Friday game against Virginia. Josh said this is a trap game. You want to pay attention this week. You want to read the storylines, and you want to be both eyes on this game come Friday night. Um, all right. I guess that's it for us, for Josh Crawford and Mike McAllister. I'm Michael Gross. We'll talk to you guys later this week. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose they stitch people together 
If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.